Welcome to The Summit with your co-hosts, Jeremy Turman and Andrew March. The Summit uncovers the true drive and motivation that makes people successful. We talk with amazing individuals to break down how they define success, choose their goals, and their decision-making process as they climb their mountains. On today's episode, we want to thank our sponsor, Fitzby, an athleisure company designed to re-inspire and further facilitate your on-the-go lifestyle. Check out Fitzby at fitzby.com, F-I-T-S-P-I.com, and use code SUMMIT30 for 30% off. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome to the Summit Podcast. And with us today, we are very excited to have Robert Strasrino, who is a successful business professional, tech executive, and entrepreneur. Um, I've known Rob for a while, and he's a great guy. And, you know, he's run a successful software company called College Scheduler that he started, uh, bootstrapped it, and grew it ultimately to a successful exit while owning 100% of the business, which is very exciting. And we're going to talk to him more about that. And his company has helped millions of people, specifically college students, navigate their uh, academic career and scheduling their, their classes. And before we get into anything super detailed, Rob, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what you're up to now. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, so like Andrew said, uh, basically, uh, I started a software company while I was a student uh, at California State University, Chico. Uh, I was a computer science major. Um, and, you know, before getting to college, I'd always been into computers and always kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit never knowing really it was going to lead quite to starting a full-on company and everything uh, and acquisition and everything like that. So it kind of starts out um, and the quick summary is basically I was doing websites for people while I was, uh, while I was young. I think my first website was actually in eighth grade uh, for a guy that my parents bought a mattress from uh, the mattress gallery. And I was like in eighth grade, I was like, Hey, how about I make your website? You know? And, and the guy's like, that would be awesome. I was like, how about, how about 75 bucks? I'll make your website for 75 bucks. Let's get it online. I was just learning HTML. I mean, it was, it was back in the day, uh, but I did it and, and made the site for him. That was kind of the first time I, I, you know, made some money off of computer work. Um, and throughout high school, I basically, I started a, a small business. I called it, I called it Straz Tech after my last name, Straz Reno. And basically was just doing, uh, websites for people. I was doing business cards, brochure design, you know, things like that. So I had some Photoshop skills, things of that nature and, uh, made a pretty good living in high school off that. Um, one of the things that, you know, we'll t- talk about later. It's funny, even during high school, that guy that I made that mattress site for, I ended up, he ended up getting into like landscaping and I even like picked up extra hours during a summer with him doing like landscaping, like straight up mowing and edging and stuff, even though I was doing the computer work, um, which is funny. I kind of got reminded of that by my mom, uh, recently. And it's just like, Oh man, I must've really wanted to make some money back then. Cause <laughs> so, um, after that, basically moving on into college, it was my sophomore year and I was making my schedule, you know, the, the, for the set for the second year, the first year we look up classes, we would like hunt down the different offerings and then we would call in on the phone. Uh, so my first year in college, this was uh, what 2002. 
uh, yeah, we would make our schedule, call in on the phone and try to register for classes by typing in the registration numbers. My sophomore year, I was kind of thinking to myself, man, the schedule planning process, that was really hard. You know, the example I always use is if you want to take five classes and they're each offered five times throughout the day, which is pretty reasonable, you know, at a big school, you're going to get a lot more than five offerings of like U.S. history. Just five classes with five offerings each is over 3,000 possible schedules. There's over 3,000 combinations of those classes. And even if you've got the patience to look through 30 combinations before you give up, I mean, you're seeing less than 1% of really every combination. And so I thought, got to be a better way to do this. Um, so I wrote some software my sophomore year that would download the class schedule web pages every night uh, and basically read them into a database. And then I developed an algorithm that would go through all the combinations and, and present you with the, the schedules that work. Uh, and that was after one year of computer science classes. So I had done some programming. I did some programming, you know, in high school, but really after my first year of getting classes done, I felt pretty equipped in combination with Google to go tackle this project uh, and, and get it done. Um, so we'll get into more about how the company ended up developing, but that's how it started. And uh, today, Basically, uh, we'll get into this, but I sold the company in January 2016. Uh, had a three-year earnout with them. Um, so typically, when you get acquired, you know, you you get maybe half up front, and you gotta hit some sales goals to get the other half of the acquisition. Every acquisition is different, of course. But for me, um, I had some sales goals to hit over the three years. Uh, hit all the goals. Hit full earnout. Uh, and then three months later, in April 2019, after my uh, earnout was over, I decided to step down. Um, so uh, my VP of engineering took over my role, uh, product managing, uh, college scheduler, and they're off and running. Uh, almost everybody's still there. It's still going great. Uh, but I basically, I'm on a two-year off uh, plan right now. Um, so I just crossed one year of that uh, last month. And uh, yeah, just just using my discipline to keep another year off, develop some good personal habits. We can get into that. Um, and just kind of enjoying life and, and being patient to make sure I don't get into something unless I'm really feeling it and really want to take on another company. Cause it is a whirlwind of ups and downs, uh, running a company. So I don't want to go into the next one, uh, lightly. Totally. Well, Thanks for sharing, sharing some of the, the details, you know, kind of going back to, you know, you touched on the origin story of college schedule around how hard it was to actually, you know, wrap your mind around the options that are available to you to, to actually book your courses. But what was your thought process around starting the company from the get-go? Yeah. So originally, so I had some experience in making desktop applications. Um, in my past, I had consulted for an architectural firm and we built this big project management system kind of in-house together over a number of years. Um, and I was doing that work, you know, you know, in high school and then a little bit while I was in college. When I started making the scheduling program, this all this new web application technology was coming out where I could use my desktop programming skills uh, with the Microsoft.net platform and actually expose that over a web page. So I'm like, okay, well, let me try to make this in a web page. And, and sure enough, after I was able to get the first version working, I just put it out there for free for all the students. I basically just 
popped it online. I did, I registered wildcatscheduler.com after the Chico State Wildcats, basically just threw it on there and students started using it. Um, so a little momentum kind of picked up, students were using it. What I decided to do at the time was two things. Uh, I paid my roommate to hang flyers on the bulletin boards around campus with little tear offs saying like, hey, we got this free schedule planner. Come on here, it'll, you know, figure this out. I had, we had some funny little thing. And then my girlfriend at the time sold banner ads to local businesses uh, in Chico around campus. So basically it was like a hundred bucks a semester. You get, we had sandwich shops on there and, you know, various, various entities, gyms. Um, and Chico State actually bought like 10 banners from me during one of the years. I think it was my sophomore or my junior year just to support the software because they knew it was helping, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that was the, the, basically, I was just like, let me try to make this thing myself. Oh, while I'm making it, let me make it into a web page since this seems pretty easy and let me start sharing it. And, and that, that really kind of was what greased the wheels and got things started. I think what's great about that, Rob, is that everything all started from eighth grade from that origination of just trying to build a website for the first time. And I think what will be fascinating to continue to uncover is that you don't just create a business later in life, you have created the business as you've been growing up. And that, na yeah. that, that natural desire to build something and do something new was already instilled in you at a young age. And then as you grow, as you grow up and you see how you can apply those talents and you sharpen the tool set, you can then start to apply them and then magnify the, the reach that you have. And what's pretty funny about that, uh, you know, putting it out there to see if there was adoption that is pretty similar to the, the DoorDash story when they built DoorDash.com. They just, it was actually Palo Alto delivery and they just put it out there to see if it would actually stick. And, nice. you know, it, it's great. We'll, we'll talk about the full success of College Scheduler, but it's seeing that you identified such a big need and your solution was so strong that you didn't even need to market it to get people to jump. They just realized this is such a big gap. I'm just going to give this a shot. And you just naturally started evolving. Yeah, totally. And it all, it all came out from a problem that I was directly experiencing, right? I was making my schedule and I'm like, there's got to be some sweet schedule out here that I just can't even see. I, I know there's a sweet schedule out here, but I'm not going to plug through all these options manually. Like, let's see if this computer can, can figure this out for me. That, that's really where it started is I wanted to solve the problem for myself and then wanted a way of sharing it. I didn't quite think it was going to turn into the business it was going to turn into. Although if you look back at like the domain name registrations and stuff, I registered collegescheduler.com very, very soon after wildcatscheduler.com. Like I, I, back then I, I kind of the light bulb went off like, Hey, I, let me go snag this domain. I might be able to sell this to other schools later. Now, when you were, you know, running the business, <clears throat> was it just such a whirlwind where, you know, the product started to take off. You saw that there was some monetary potential here to sell it to other schools. Um, did you, were you fully convinced that you were going to turn this into like a career for yourself? Or it's like, you know, I can envision myself running this company um, and it really being an incorporated part of your life. Cause you know, it'd be helpful, I think, to share a little bit of your background around your internships to set the tone around, yeah. you know, you definitely have had other experiences you know, with the FBI and, you know, some other organizations. So, you know. Yep. Yeah. So the two major internships I had, and just for anyone that's listening, even just that's in college right now, 
I mean, internships are huge. Like I, I, I can only speak out of my own experience, but when I'm at least looking at resumes and looking to hire people, like internships are huge. I love when someone's got real world experience at actual organization or multiple organizations. It's, it, it sets you apart so big from just a student with a degree, right? Even if they've got good grades and all that stuff. So I, I had two internships, one uh, for Chevron Corporation, uh, the big oil company. I did a bunch of uh, custom software for them um, and, and then also uh, with the FBI. Um, and kind of the story around that is I saw a FBI internship posting in the tech department at Chico State. And I, was, I just walked by and I looked at it, I was like, well, that sounds cool, FBI, wow, that's, that's pretty sweet. Let me take a look at this. And I, and I looked at it. And it's like, yeah, you get to be in Washington, D.C. for the summer, the honors internship program. I'm like, sweet, let's apply for this. So applied for that and ended up getting into the final round of interviews, which were at the Sacramento field office, Sacramento, California, the FBI office. And I get in there and it was like me and 10 other people. And I felt I felt very unqualified at the time. So I was in there. A lot of the people in there, almost everyone had like military experience. A lot of them were bilingual. Like they were looking like, some of them were looking like agents, you know, little young agents. And I'm just sitting here like, oh man, what, what am I doing here? Uh, but I'm going to just show up and do a great job on the interview. And sure enough, you know, after a few months, they called me back and they're like, yeah, we'd like to do the, you know, the polygraph and the background in interview. We, 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 you, you got selected. And I'm like, dang, because they select only one person from every field office. So I don't like to this day, there were so many people that obviously, you know, would have made great FBI agents in that room. You can just tell from the experience, the military, the service of the country. But I think they picked me because of my computer experience. This is just a wild guess, but I had a lot of computer experience and trying to bring more computer expertise in there. So before FBI called me, I'd actually accepted an internship at Chevron. I was working multiple angles. And so I called Chevron and say, Hey, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. After I graduate, I'll come down and do the internship for you. Like, thank you. I'll do it at internship pay right after I graduate. I'll, I'll come down for summer and do it uh, just to honor my commitment. And that, that worked out real well. They ended up, I ended up staying on at Chevron for a couple of years uh, remotely while I was getting college scheduler off the ground. Um, so yeah, internships are huge. And I mean, just, I remember being at Chevron and you know, I was, just out of, you know, just out of college and being just so excited to just come to work. The campus there is beautiful in San Ramon. It's a beautiful campus. It was the first place I encountered standing desks. So we always had sit to stand desks from day one at my company. Every employee that wanted one had one. I had never encountered a, a spot where, I mean, everyone had these motorized sit to stand desks. It must've cost Chevron a fortune. They would send people around and try to catch you with bad posture at your desk to come help you and say, Hey, no, you got to clean this up. We even had program on our computer that would stop you we would actually lock your keyboard and mouse. If you didn't take the required breaks after dismissing the warnings a few times. So it was this really nice experience to just see this big company that was like, really, we even took a defensive driving course, a a required defensive driving course at Chevron just to make everyone safer. It, it, it just, it's just to keep people on the job and keep people healthy. So, you know, my, my managers were great there. I built some in-house web applications. So I was just building software, you know, inside of Chevron for various departments uh, throughout, throughout that large organization. And it was a, it was a really, really great experience.
That's fantastic. I think internships, even at the MBA level, are highly recommended. And a majority of folks that get their second degree end up sampling different businesses that they would like to work at. And it's a huge lever to test that skills that you learn in the classroom and apply them to real life. And then like yourself, that you've already been building these skills um, at home or working, building your own business and applying that in a massive organization, it like helps you see that further scale. So when you, when you evaluate both of those internships, what were some key takeaways you have from each internship that helped you apply to College Scheduler? Yeah, I mean, like at Chevron, that was that was really that was really just watching the organization work, being in big meetings, watching how conflict was handled, watching managers, you know, manage different people's opinions and and, and try to run a run an effective meeting. Just like not a lot of that happened, but you know, when you're young you're not going to like learn this stuff in very many other places. I don't think at least obviously the curriculum that I took it in college, although I did take a few business classes, I was mainly, you know, doing computer science. So it's like handling these business situations was huge. I think learning how to learning how to give your employees good workplace equipment. Like literally, I know it sounds silly, <laughs> but at Chevron, it's like, we all had really good equipment. I actually back in the day, at this point in time, dual monitors weren't really a thing. And I approached my uh, manager and I said, hey, here's a few articles online showing this much productivity boost for dual screens. Do you think we could get some dual screens just for the software developers? They listened, we got them. Like, it was just, I don't know. I was just, I don't know what I was expecting necessarily, but I was blown away by just the care that they showed their employees and just the, the support of like a full HR department and everything. It felt really smooth and like just a well-oiled machine um uh, no pun intended so chevron was great um and you know so i learned some lessons there at the fbi you know i was also building software there uh building internal pieces of software uh part of that internship was just to kind of expose you to everything that the bureau has to offer you know people that want to come on right so i mean people can go into all sorts of different areas all sorts of specialties in the FBI it's not like you you just become a special agent and you know <laughs> uh you know so it was honestly that was my very first internship the FBI one was before Chevron and and really it was just about just learn how to work in a team again there was a lot of events it was a recruit I mean the FBI definitely invests heavily into this program that the, the polygraphs the background investigations I mean they spared no expense in, in really, in real, I mean, they were, they were talking to all the people I did websites for when I had my website business, they, the, the private investigator drove down to San Luis Obispo to visit my best friend and interview him. Like they really did a lot of good job vetting all of us so that they could show us some really cool stuff. And everyone I met there was so nice. They were such good people. They were such hard workers. I remember one time, this, this isn't any sort of classified information, but just to, just to give you an idea of how hard these individuals were working, I remember one time we toured the lab. Uh, the, I forget what, I think it's in Virginia. It's, it's like the famous FBI lab. And I remember on this tour, we walked by a room where there were shredded papers, like that had gone through a shredder machine. And there were, there were a bunch of people like painstakingly like assembling these shreds of paper that had come out of a shredding machine to see what was on the paper, presumably for some investigation. And I mean, 
the patience that's required to do that and they're showing up and they're working hard it was just like oh man this is i'm impressed like I, it, it was it was eye-opening for sure everyone was working so hard there so yeah I, I had a great time at both internships got to see just how organizations run how large organizations run and 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 all that stuff just kind of sits in the back of your head and kind of forms forms your actions going forward so you know up to this point like you've had these amazing experiences right and you know you in the background i'm guessing that college scheduler was still working in the background as you have all of these internships right yeah so at this point yeah just to be clear so at this point chico state was running the software and uh they started paying for it my senior year chico state started paying me a yearly fee for it I, that's when i started the company i approached them my senior year so I think uh, I was pre-sale when I went to the FBI, but then uh, when I was at Chevron, I already had my business running. I was bringing on Sacramento State, my second uh, college. I was actually, I remember working on implementing that software for Sacramento State, like while I was at my apartment in the summer uh, working for Chevron. Um, so yeah, Scheduler was definitely underway. And even my manager at the FBI, he knew all about Scheduler because it was already running. It wasn't a business yet. And when I told him that I wanted to, you know, leave and pursue that, he was like, that's totally cool. You know, we're proud of you, yada, yada, you know, go get them. Um, so everyone was super understanding. Even Chevron, when I eventually stepped down, they were just like, go get them, man. I mean, my manager still keeps in touch. You know, they, they, everyone was, no one made me feel bad. I was so nervous resigning from Chevron. Uh, I remember because I was just like, now's the time. You know, I had like a few universities, definitely not enough to replace my income, but enough where I was like, I got to go all in. And my manager was super understanding, did not try to talk me out of it and gave me a two year leave of absence where I could come back at any time and continue my job. So I can't thank those people enough. They were super supportive. So what was your thought process going, going into the decision to go full time? Like, did you have a checklist? Did you have, you know, some monetary goals that were on that list or, you know, like what were the driving forces between yeah, that's a great at these other companies and then, Hey, I'm cutting loose and I'm doing this thing full time. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. Um, so I think at the time that I left Chevron, I probably had like four or five universities probably paying me like 50 grand a year or 60 grand a year total. So the total annual revenue of my business was like 60 K now. I didn't have any ex payroll expenses. So my first hack at this for sales was I was hiring like independent contractors and paying them a very high commission, no base and trying to close these like schools that would take eight to 12 months to make a decision. It was not effective. I, I, from, from 2005 to 2009, I got nine universities only. So because of that, uh, I was working other jobs, right? I had the Chevron thing going on for a couple of years. I had a software consulting uh, gig on the side that was actually a major operation. And two of those software developers uh, that worked for me on that ended up joining College Scheduler full-time once I had the income. So going back to your question, about five schools bringing in like 50 grand a year. I'm like, okay, between this and this other side consulting project, I've got enough to live on and eat and everything. And I'm not going to be like scraping by. Uh, let's give this thing a whirl. Chevron loves me. And is, you know, they're probably going to give me at least one year leave of absence. 
So really like, what do I have to lose here by going in and just looking my manager in the eye and saying, here's my opportunity. Here's how many schools I have. I really want to go do this. You know, would you be down if this doesn't work out, you know, would you be down for me to come back? I think I even said that. And they were like, he's like, absolutely. So really it was, Hey, we've got some meaningful revenue. We've got five disparate customers here. I want to go chase this thing a lot harder because it's going slow. And look, if it all falls apart, I'll just go get a job again. And it's all, it's all going to be fine. So it really wasn't that big of a deal. I, I, I was, it was, it went so smooth uh, when I went and talked to my manager um, and, and I had, I had thought through and I was just like, this is, this, this is, this is what we got to do. We got to go all in and just see, because I never wanted to look back and wonder what would have happened. It's like, if we get on to trade show spend, because we, we ended up going to a lot of trade shows at College Scheduler. Um, I would always look at my team and say, are there any other shows that you want to go to? I'll fund them. I don't want, you know, if you're going to burn yourself out traveling too much, that's one thing. Tell me, but if you want to go to one, I will pay for it because I don't want to wonder what would have happened if we spent a hundred percent of our, you know, funds on trade shows instead of 80%. I, I don't want to, I don't want to play that game. Let's just go as hard as we can. And that was kind of the logic with starting the business. Let's just go all in. And, and, you know, if it doesn't work out, there's so many safety nets here. I, you know, I've got a degree. I can just go get a job. Rob, what, what's fantastic about that, which is underlying all those conversations is your relationship that you've built in building relationships with people at the FBI to Chevron to the, the, the tech coworkers that were with you on the side that then you brought in. You, you see that at various companies when someone moves to a new business, they bring very close friends with them because mm -hmm. you assemble that team that allows you to be successful. And I think it's truly important whether you're building a website for one client or you're in an internship or at a job, the relationships that you're building, those can be applied and carry with you. And then you find that great talent. And if you build that strong relationship, you can take that leap of faith and know, hey, if this all fails, I still know that due to the relationships that I've built, I'm going to be just fine. So when, when you look back to that decision to take that big leap and you say, okay, we're, we're going to be able to go full in on this. How, how did you say this will be quote unquote successful after year one? What was that first kind of ledge that you took to, to take the next step? Yeah. So and again, like, I'll just say kind of, you know, I don't have a ton of formal training, right? So I'm just going to say kind of what, what comes to my mind. Like, I remember having this experience with someone after our company got acquired and someone, one of the executives was like, what's your number for this quarter? What's this? And I hadn't synced with the, the sales managers at this point. This is after acquisition. And what I wanted to tell her was like, the number's like as many schools as possible. That's the number. Like, what do you mean? What's the number? Like, like, so, you know, back in the day, like I didn't have, I was just, let's go, there's 3000 schools out there. Let's go get as many as we can. And I didn't really have a threshold. Obviously if we were going to start running out of money or something, that's one thing. But as I think we already touched on, you know, this was a bootstrap company, which means we didn't really ever, we didn't, do get out ahead of our skis and weren't like spending more than that was coming in. Uh, there were certainly years where we weren't profitable, but it wrote, we were always rode the line really close. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
I didn't have a particular number in mind. Like, Oh, if we get to this after the first year, then I'm going to keep doing this. It's like, let's go all in and just do this. We know that the software is good. It, it, and once we get it into a school, they keep it. I mean, we have crazy good retention rates uh, with the software. Uh, I just was struggling massively with sales. Sales was the number one thing that I struggled with the entire time running the business. Um, and I learned a ton over the years, but really those first few years were just fumbling around with different independent contractors, not really being able to land sales. And it wasn't really till 2009 when Haley uh, joined my team was my first kind of full-time employee. And, and she was a salesperson that I started paying a base salary to. So I was paying her a base uh, in addition to commission. Um, and she made a lot of headway in her, her first year. I think she closed, uh, I think when she started, we had like seven or eight schools, something like that. And she closed six schools and it was huge. You know, it was like, oh my gosh, she almost doubled it. And we didn't have any good marketing or sales materials. And, and really it was, Hey, let's have someone in the office. We got an office together, me and her small little room. And it was like, let's, be in the office together and have an hourly rate. And so we can actually have oversight over what your activities are rather than an independent contractor where you're not really dictating that stuff. And we worked together and, and that was super effective. So it was like the perfect storm of leaving the job, kind of struggling for a little bit uh, for about a year and then meeting back up with Haley. And I, Haley and I lived in the same uh, dorm uh, like complex at Chico State when we were freshmen. And we just kind of like got back in touch. I was like, hey, what are you doing? She was doing radio sales at the time uh, and doing other like sales and marketing consulting for small businesses. I was like, hey, can you do this, you know, 20 hours a week? And, and that's really what kind of kickstarted uh, some of the growth that we saw. That is awesome. I uh, had a chance to meet her and... You know, I think, uh, you know, you've, you've definitely, what, is, what has always stood out to me is just your focus on, you know, the right people and bringing good people in that are hardworking and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, people that you want to surround yourself with to build an awesome company. Um, you know, one, one question that comes up to my mind is, you know, you've had a lot of success in a very all things considered short period of time, you know, you've spent a long time building college scheduler, right? I mean, probably a decade or more, but yep. you know, you're in your early to mid thirties, you've had this success and you know, it seems like you have this no regrets kind of attitude, you know, all in, you know, we're going to spend money on the trade shows. You know, we don't want to regret not giving it our all. Yep. Um, you know, having these experiences at this point in your life, you know, how do you look forward to what's next for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, from a young age and, and this is, this is a kind of a funny story. So when I left college scheduler, my wife, Kelly, she threw like a little retirement party for me and, uh, which was just funny, you know, because, you know, all, you know, just mentors came and friends and all this stuff. And she asked friends and family all these questions and made this little like trivia thing. I won't bore you with it, but th this is this is kind of crazy. One of the questions was, uh, in kindergarten, what did Robert write down that he wanted to be when he grew up? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm like, I don't even remember this. It turns out I wrote down a millionaire. And and my mom, my mom told me, I'm like, how did I even know what that word was? Like, 
I, I don't know. I don't remember, barely remember being in kindergarten, but I guess that's what I wrote down. And from a young age, I always wanted to like buy video games or get, get a sweet BMX bike or whatever. And so I was driven, I was driven by money to do like, to start the webpage firm, to start all of this stuff really. Um, and we're skipping over a large period of time in those first few years after college, I did a bunch of other little side gigs and startups and almost all of them fizzled out. I've had a lot of, of fails along the way as well. Um, but from a young age, I mean, I really, really wanted to achieve financial independence. We never struggled growing up. My dad, he worked for the Chamber of Commerce. He ran the Chamber of Commerce all, all, all growing up, which is a nonprofit organization. You're, you're, you get paid, you know, well, but you're not going to get rich, you know, running a Chamber of Commerce, right? Um, so we just said we had a very comfortable lifestyle growing up, but I wanted you know, I, I thought cool cars. I thought they were, oh, those are cool cars. Oh, that's a sweet little stereo system. Like, and those were the things that actually got me going. I was like, I want to make some extra money. I'll yeah, I'll go mow some lawns and make some extra money. Sure, let's do it. Um, that even with scheduler, even when we got to the some of the tough times, I told my team like, I want everyone here to be financially successful. And we would all, if the times got tough, it's like let's push through. Let's make some money. Um, we're young. We got a bunch of energy now. Like, let's make some money and save it. And that really was my big motivation all through the years was I really wanted to achieve financial independence. It wasn't to go, go like even like, for example, after I sold the company, except for some really expensive health testing that I got done, I didn't spend anything for two years. My wife and I didn't spend any money for two straight years, uh, any of the acquisition money on purpose, just because just I want that financial independence. That's, that's what I was doing this for. So when you ask the question like, hey, what's next? Granted, look, like, sure, more money is a, is a great thing. And certainly, you know, it affords you the opportunity to do other things. Right now, though, I'm not as motivated by money. I've got, I've achieved financial independence. So now it's more just like, I'm working on myself right now. Like I am taking care of things such as I developed like the back problems throughout the years. I was an athlete. I ran track in college, all this stuff. But over, over the last like five years, like I really have slowed down athletically. I can't play the sports. I'm the back person. I play golf. And it's like, I finally, now I'm taking the time to work out three times a week, do my stretches every day. I'm trying to put and find that energy that I had that came so easy to me with business. I mean, I would just wake up. I would just wake up 4, 4.30 in the morning and like excited, like jitters in my stomach on some mornings to go turn on my computer and go like work on my business and go crush it. Like I was so excited and just in the zone for years. And it's not, that didn't translate. Like when I stopped working, <laughs> it wasn't like all that energy was just ready to go for like, boring back exercises and stretches like it did not translate for me so I really reflecting now and it's only been a year but reflecting back I really do think it was making customers happy and making money were the two primary motivators and drivers that got us through all of the all of the lows that, that's fantastic Rob I think not a lot of people can even admit to themselves that it is about the money because they're like, oh, well, it is about building the business and helping the community. And yeah, we want to do right by our customers. But I think it's fair to say, 
I want this to be successful because I want to be financially independent, but I want to have the luxury to do the things I want to do. And in order to do that, I need lots of cash. And so I'm going to make this business extremely successful. So not only do I get rich, but the people that I can bring on and help scale this company, you know, they become successful as well. Um, but have that lens of, of cash. And a lot of people listening to this podcast hopefully can be in, in your situation one day where they're able to pursue the goals. And if it is from a financial standpoint, use their talents applied to uh, building a company for online or creating an actual product to hit that financial independence. Totally. And it's not, it's not make money at all costs. It's make money if it motivates you, if you're doing it in an ethical way where you're treating customers and your employees well, if you, then, then it's okay to be motivated by money. Like money gets, want to make money. Like I'm not really into politics and I don't get into huge topics too much, but it gets a bad rap because so many people make money like doing like unethical things or things that are like riding the line or maybe making a bunch of money, but just, not paying people that well or things like that. Um, we always paid people well at college scheduler and our salespeople made a lot of money and I won't say a lot of things like this, but one thing I will say is in all the years I ran the company, all 11 years, I had only one employee, uh, resign every, everyone that left, I, I had to, I'd make a change, right? Like maybe I had to let somebody go for performance or something like that. But everyone, everyone else, no one quit or went to another job the whole time. They, they, they stuck with College Scheduler. They stuck with the mission. And, you know, there's, you could say, oh, culture, there's this and that. We also paid people well, too. It's not like we were just riding on, uh, like, a cool culture and, and not pay. Like, we would, we would bring people's pay up and pay competitive rates. And to me, it's like, I'd rather pay everyone 10% more and have everyone feeling happy and good and make less profit and feel good when I go to bed at night rather than like make my profit, like grinding it off the top of wages, for example. And again, you gotta have a good business to do this and, and all that. And I'm, there's so many different businesses and situations. I'm not trying to generalize, but for me, there's nothing wrong with being motivated by money as long as you're doing it for the right reasons and you're doing things ethically and treating people well. I don't think there's anything wrong with being motivated by money. Love it. Um, so, you know, they, they say uh, age brings wisdom. And so, you know, and experience too, which you've had a lot of. So what, if you could go back in time with the knowledge and wisdom that you have now, what would be some advice that you would give to your, your younger self, whether you were 18 or earlier, you know, what are some key principles that you could give to your younger self that um, have helped you in some way? So I'll do, I'll do uh, one business thing and one personal thing. Um, so the business thing would be uh, pay attention to sales, even if you don't enjoy it. So this is something that I tell a lot of young entrepreneurs. I myself, I'm like a product CEO. I love working on software. I was still writing code, solving scaling problems. I love figuring out what buttons should go on which screens to provide the best user experience. That stuff's fun for me. I can do that all day. What I don't like doing is having a tough conversation with two sales reps about like 
call activity. That's not fun. Um, however, that is way more important than uh, where your next new feature is going to be, where that button's going to go. And so I would gravitate, I would catch myself gravitating towards the things I was good at and leaving alone the things that I wasn't good at, like running a sales team. And you could say, oh, well, you're not trained. You're not a VP of sales. Maybe hire a VP of sales earlier. Well, we were bootstrapped. I didn't want to absorb that big cost of a manager of the sales team. And so my advice to my younger self is basically be just, I don't know what, how many minutes a day or whatever. I'm not going to set any rules, but pay attention every single day to sales, to, to the top of the funnel, the middle of the funnel, the late stage, look at those Salesforce reports uh, or whatever CRM you're using, like pay attention to sales at all times, even if it's not fun. That's just the cold, boring truth. And it's something that would have made us more successful if I had had that advice and that, that discipline to dig into sales more. Um, and, and, and certainly it's, it's still, this isn't a regret. This is just like advice to, to my younger self and to other people out there. Sales, for some people, it's super fun and that's awesome. But if it's not fun for you and you're still in charge and you're the CEO, you need to at least do it. Even if it's go reward yourself with the fun task later, but you've got to be looking at sales and looking at all throughout your funnel at all, all the time, every day. That's what I would do. Um, personal advice, uh, balance, uh, is something that I would, I would personally say. So I, I, I sometimes will have a slide or two on this when I talk at like Chico state students, when I was uh, 2007, so I was a couple years into running the business. I think I had like four or five schools. One of the schools, uh, canceled the software. They called me and canceled and said, Hey, we're, we're going to cancel our software. I won't name the school. And I looked it up and I'm like, they got great usage reports. The students are using it. I'm like, what's going on here? You know, one school canceling out of five, it's like, it's like a big deal. And uh, a lot of other stressful things were going on. I was in this like business competition and just running the company full time, working out of my house at all times. So this is before I got an office, I would get out to go to the gym. I had roommates, but for the most part, I spent almost all my time in the house working. This school canceled. I talked to them and they said, yeah, we actually ended up building our own version of it. Uh, and, and we're going to cancel the contract. And, and I'm like thinking like, oh shit, is this going to happen to all my customers? Or are they just going to start building it? And I kind of had, I had like what you would call kind of like an anxiety attack slash, you know, kind of a mental breakdown of sorts. Um, I was, it was 2007. So I was pretty young, um, you know, in my early twenties and I had not encountered that before in my life. And so I didn't know how to handle it. So what it translated to was depression. Uh, I started just uh, thinking, Oh, it's all going to fall apart. I just was not mentally in a good spot. Ended up like I lost like 20 pounds. I moved back in with my parents for a few months and just kind of ran the business from there. Like it really knocked me down hard. And had I had some better balance throughout, like I never, like there's so much stuff these days on meditation and visualization and that stuff. Like, I don't know if I just wasn't looking for it back then, but I had no practices. It was just like work, 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 grind hard. And then when this thing happened, I wasn't prepared for it. I got back on my feet. My parents, you know, helped me out. My mom was super good, just encouraging me. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And eventually it got better. 
Um, but it knocked me for a loop and it certainly could have cost me the business or cost me other customers or whatever. Um, and so, you know, my advice to young people, uh, people of all ages really is just pay attention to balance. Like if I was getting out of the house more, or maybe just if, if I had balanced a few more things, I probably could have worked nearly as many hours and not had it affect me the way it did. Uh, or adopt like learn how to meditate or adopt some other practices, but it, I didn't have any of that. And I just went way too hard just on the business. And when things didn't go well in the business, it sent me over the, over the edge for a little bit. And, and so that's my main advice. And I always tell the story to students too, just because I mean, when I was a student, I had never, I luckily knock on wood, luckily for me, I didn't, I didn't have these like anxiety or depression. I didn't encounter that stuff when I was younger, it, luckily, just lucky. Uh, so when it hit and I wasn't prepared, it was a lot and companies have extreme highs, ups and downs. So yeah, I would say balance for sure. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to how you're feeling in your head and make sure you take breaks and get away. Yeah. Work-life balance is so key. And uh, sometimes I adopt that philosophy of just work hard and keep getting through it. And if I get through all of these hurdles now, it'll be easier later uh, but sometimes you do need to do that reflection, which is, you know, hey, it's okay if you don't go 12 hours a day, seven days in a row. You can give a half day. You can take two days. You need to yep. find that balance. So, Rob, yep. as we close it up here, for, for folks that are, you know, have aspirations to build their own companies or those that are in a role right now and they feel they really need to take it to the next level, what advice would you have for that person that's kind of in that stuck position right now? That's a good question. Um, you know, some of the things, like I read a couple of books early on that were pretty helpful for me when, when I was young. So we're talking like early twenties, just starting out the two all name getting things done by David Allen and four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Um, you know, popular books, uh, four hour work week, just, you know, you're going to take bits and pieces, right? It's not like I'm going to like say, oh, every chapter's a gold mine, right? But like, you're going to take bits and pieces from all these things. What I took away from that was just delegating. Um, so just really learn, thinking about everything that I do and what can I delegate and how can I train people to do some of these things for me? Um, getting things done is all about managing your to-do list. And it's not just your business to-do list. It's everything personal too. The con the main concept I took out of that book is anything spinning around in your head is taking up like valuable resources that could otherwise be spent on creativity or killing it in some other area that makes you money or, or something like that. And so, you know, someone that's in a position where they're ready to go to the next, you know, level, are they, are you reading any books? Are you doing any learning? I mean, learning, learning can be huge because those things applied to the rest of your life. Those concepts were huge. And especially if you have got a job and you're going to be uh, starting something else up and maybe you want to slow roll it, like start it on the side, prove out the concept. That means you're going to be working a full-time job. You may have a family and kids and you may be doing something else. So like taking a look at a book, like getting things done, and helping you be more efficient. If you're 10% more efficient with all of your tasks, personal tasks, that's going to free up time to focus on, on either more learning or the actual company that you might want to start. So I would definitely say learning is key. I would say, you know, there's all sorts of advice. And again, you know, 
I'm not in a position where I'm going to give sweeping advice because I've only been through a few startups and a couple angel investments. I would just say in, in general, you know, if you've got an idea, maybe try to prove it out a little bit before leaving a full-time job. Um, that's just my background in, you know, yeah, I took a lot of risks and we spent, we went to 55 trade shows a year for a couple of years. I was spending a ton of money on trade shows and marketing. And yes, that was risky. You could say, okay, yeah, he took risks. But in reality, I was never in a spot where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose everything. I always made sure there were some sources of income or some side consulting gig or something in the early days supplementing income. So you don't have that pressure because it's distracting. If you have no money and you don't know how you're going to you know, pay rent or get food or anything, how are you supposed to be creative and solve creative business problems in that state of mind? You can do it. You can meditate and, and try to get into these, have these brief moments of clarity. But man, if you can just have something, a stable base while you're doing this exploration, especially in those early phases, I think is advice that, that I would give people for sure. It's just prove it out a little bit before you, before you quit that job and, and really, really, now you're really on the clock for getting this thing to work and, and that causes stress and, and that can limit creativity. Definitely, you know, appreciate that, that, that last bit of wisdom right there, Rob. Um, I just want to say thanks on behalf of everybody listening, myself, um, you know, and Jeremy as well for joining us. So appreciate the wisdom. And no problem. We'll have to uh, bring you back on soon when you find out what the, uh, what the next adventure is. That's right. That sounds good. I got 12 more months. And then, we'll, right. then, we'll, then, then we'll figure it out from there. But uh, yeah, thanks. And thank you guys for making this podcast and getting it out there. And the thing is, is all these little tidbits help. You know, people that listen to podcasts, read books, you pick up these little tidbits and they all stack up and roll and make you more productive and help people create better things. So by you guys doing these podcasts and other people out there doing podcasts, it's making everybody more productive and helping everybody create more. So thank you guys as well. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Summit. If you have questions, feedback, or ideas for future episodes, please email us at summitpodcasts at gmail.com. Again, that's summitpodcasts, plural, at gmail.com. You can also message us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Summit Podcasts. Thanks so much and keep on climbing.